Uh, if you remain standing now, we're going to read uh, these words uh, from the Gospel of John. Um, that's a cool background. <laughs> Let's read this together. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been stuck in that perpetual why with a, with a four or five-year-old? Anybody ever been stuck in that conversation where, you know, well, why is the sky blue? Well, you know, the, the, the sun shines through the ozone layer. That's the, you know, the, the color that it catches. Well, why? Well, because, you know, there's this layer that protects the, you know, the earth from the, the sun's UV rays. Well, why? Well, because if the sun beat down directly on us, it would burn our skin. And why? Well, because the sun's really hot. And, and you get stuck in this why, 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 and why. Um, it turns out that, you know, there's this intuitiveness, there's this thing that children have, this question that they have to ask why it actually benefits them. They actually learn from it. They actually learn about the world through asking why. And then somewhere along our life, somewhere along the way, that kind of gets beat out of us. When we kind of stop asking that question, we stop asking why we think it's a nuisance. We think it's a problem. But in fact, we learn that it's benefits our lives to ask the question, why? Those of you who don't know, um, my name is Andy, and I am uh, the campus pastor for our new community called One Church. Uh, we launched about a year ago in January, we're a church within a church, a ministry of Acts 2. We launched on Sunday morning, and uh, we worship now on, on Friday nights at 6.30 in, in the chapel. And as we looked towards January, and, and as we look toward this new year as a new community of faith as One Church, I I uh, thought, well, we're going to talk about, you know, One Church 2.0. What does it mean to be a new community and now worshiping on Friday nights and into 2018? What are the updates we need to make? Uh, this 2.0, what are the updates we need to make? I don't know if you ever get those updates on your phone, you know, and it, and it says, you know, you, you, you have an update available. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I am quick to update. Um, I, I am excited about it. I, I am excited about the upgrade to make on my phone because I want to see, you know, what changes. You know, what are the, what are the little alterations that happen? Well, what, are the, what are the little things that change? And I don't know if you're like me. Maybe you're the one that has, like, you know, you, you still haven't updated your phone since you bought it, you know, five years ago. And, and you're saying, you know, I'm not going to upgrade. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and, but I'm looking at 2018 for our new community One Church and what are those upgrades that we need to make? What are those things that we need to do in 2018? And so I'm really excited because today I get to share with you the first part of that sermon, uh, what I shared with them last Friday night and as we kicked off the sermon series. And then uh, for the next several weeks, actually, I'll be sharing this with our, our community on Friday nights. If you're interested to hear it, would uh, love to have you on, on Fridays at 630. Uh, next week, we're actually worshiping here in the sanctuary uh, because we're going to get new flooring over the chapel as we continue to upgrade. And so if you come next week, uh, you'll meet us here in the sanctuary as we continue our, our sermon series called One Church 2.0. Uh, but as we kick off this uh, sermon series, we, we learn how we are called to start with why. Start with this question, why? Um, this uh, sermon series and this uh, sermon title uh, comes um, from the book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. And if you're interested in TED Talks, uh, Simon Sinek has an amazing TED Talk about this. And, and he says that most organizations know what they do. You know, most organizations know the, the widget they produce, knows, know the thing that they do. They know what they do. A, a few of them know how they do it. A few of them know how they stay ahead of the competition and how they're able uh, to produce that thing. But he said very few organizations, very few organizations know why they do it. If you were to ask, you know, why do you produce this thing? They would say, well, to make money. 
Uh, that's an outcome of your why. That's not why you do it. And I think that this, this problem is not only true for organizations, but it's also true for us and for a community as well, uh, that sometimes we forget our why. If you have your sermon notes, uh, they're in your bulletin if you want to uh, fill those out if that helps you. Um, that's your first leg, is that sometimes we forget our why. We forget why we do it. Again, I think this is true for individuals, not only organizations, that, you know, maybe, maybe you're married and, and you remember that passion you felt when you were young. You, know, you remember that passion when, when you fell in love with another person and you said, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of my life. I don't know what's going to happen out there, but I know that right now I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I think my life is going to be so much better with you in it. And, and so you decide to get married. And, and, and you get married, but what happens is you, you start a career, and maybe you have children, or whatever happens, and all these extra things get added on, and, and you start focusing on something else other than the why, right? You, your why gets overlooked by the what you do. Your why gets overlooked by the what you do, that, that the why, the, the passion, the love, all the things that you felt when you were young get overlooked by by, by getting the children to practice and by, by getting homework done and by getting to and from work and going to this party or that and doing this or that. And, and the what overlooks the why that we start focusing on the what rather than the why. Or maybe you chose a career. Maybe you chose a, a, a job and you said, this is something I'm passionate about. And, and when you first got involved in it, you, know, you, you couldn't help but to want to know more. And, and, and you read about it you know, in your off time and you showed up to work early and you stayed late. And there wasn't anything that anybody could do to make you stop working on this thing. And you were so passionate about it. You, you couldn't help but to, but to work on it. And then you started focusing on the what. You started focusing on the reports and on the things that you had to do and the minutiae and the details, and you forgot the why because you were focused on the what. Simon Siddick says this is, this is tragic, that this is actually detrimental to a community of people. And he says this, I think he's absolutely right. He says that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I think this is exactly true, especially for people looking at the Christian faith. If you've ever heard of somebody who, who isn't a Christian um, anymore or who has never become a Christian, most of the time they'll tell you that the reason they're not a Christian is because of the why, not the what. Right? They, they say they left the church. You know, what do they say? But, all, all, you know, all that church wanted was my money. You know, all, all they talked about was my money. Or, you know, those, those people just weren't genuine. Uh, the things they did didn't match up to, to what they believed. The things they did didn't match up to their why. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I think as a community of faith, we need to focus seriously on our why. Focus seriously on, on why we believe in Christ. Why are we a community of faith? Because that's what people are interested in. As I celebrated with our community of faith I, uh, uh, last Friday, I celebrated that on uh, coming up January 22nd will actually be the birthday of one church. I'm uh, very excited about that. And for those of you who uh, were there to celebrate with us, uh, this is kind of what it looked like. Uh, we got to worship over in the school. Um, over 180 people were gathered together as we celebrated uh, this community of faith. And, and as we look forward to celebrating the birthday of one church, we turn around and look at 2018 and we ask ourselves a question. Why one church? Why do we have a new community of faith? Why, why do we exist as a people? One of the things that we've said from the very beginning is, is our mission is this to create a new community for new people seeking to change the world with the love of God. 
a new community for new people, something that's new, uh, is m more likely to attract new people to it. Um, most people don't want to be a part of something that's already been established. They want to be a part of something new. Say, I'm a new person, and I want to go to somewhere where other people are new as well. And we also believed that we were called to change the world, that the world was called to look differently because we exist, that if Christians are in the world, it should look a little better, it should look a little brighter than it did without Christians. And we believe that as a community of faith. So as we look at this, our, our, our mission in, in, um, as a community of faith, we ask ourselves, you know, how did we do in 2017? And as we look at this mission, we can kind of break it up into two parts. Um, one of them is we were called to create a new community for new people. And so how did we do in that? Well, uh, in 2017, uh, we had six baptisms and 13 new members and an average worship of 93, um, which, you know, is, is great. Six baptisms and 13 new members is great. We also have some room to grow in 2018 as well. Uh, we have some more baptisms, some more new members to, to, to gain and to, and to win for Christ. Uh, but I do want to celebrate our baptisms. Uh, I'm very proud of those and, and think our community should be as well. Our very first baptism was John Nobles, an, an adult baptism. Uh, I told our community last Friday that uh, there are some United Methodist churches in Oklahoma, many United Methodist churches that don't have any baptisms at all to celebrate in a year, let alone an adult profession of faith. Our very first baptism was an adult profession of faith and wanted to celebrate that. Uh, just a couple weeks later, uh, we baptized uh, John and Allie's daughter, Bailey. Uh, it was super cute. Uh, I want to celebrate uh, the Jackson girls who were baptized at one church as well. Uh, Maddie, Isla, and Neely. This was one of my, um, I don't know if you're supposed to have favorite baptisms, but it was really fun um, because the girls wanted to be immersed. And, and so, you know, I, I was just like, okay, how do we figure that out? So we actually borrowed, um, we were at the school at the time, we borrowed Acts 2's uh, immersion tank, the, 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 the big thing that we do that we dunk people in, and, and, and we took it down to the school, but we couldn't take it into the school. So we put it outside, uh, out in front of the doors, and it was so cool to have all the people walk by it and, and remember their baptism as they, as they walked into the school. And so then at the very end of the worship service, you know, I said, all right, you know, we're, we're going to go outside and we're going to baptize the girls. And so we all went around and everybody gathered around and and we had a baptism, we opened the tank, and, and uh, Maddie was the first one we baptized, and she dipped her toe in there and, and realized that that heater that we had put in that morning didn't work well enough, that it was freezing cold water. <laughs> but God bless them, they were baptized anyways, and uh, it, was, it was a really, really great thing. Uh, just in, in last uh, uh, November, we baptized Logan Kennedy, um, and uh, we met uh, Logan's mom, Lyric, at a block party we threw last summer. Um, in, uh, in the um, Valencia, in the neighborhood uh, just south of us here. And um, back in, in, in November, we baptized Logan. It was really great, too. We baptized him on a Friday night, and, and uh, Logan was kind of like this, this self-proclaimed greeter. And so everybody who came in that morning, or that evening, uh, he, he would greet him and say, hey, you know, welcome to One Church. I'm getting baptized today. And he told everybody that came in, and everybody was so excited to see him baptized. It was a great thing that we wanted to celebrate. I believe that we are a new community for new people. Um, but another part of our mission is that we are called to change the world with the love of God, that I believe that most people agree, even if they're not Christian, that the world needs to change. The world needs to look different. I mean, if you ask most people, they'd say, you know, like, things aren't going well. You know, I think we need to do something. I think people need to be better. And so we believe, we agree. We, we believe that we are called to change the world and not just change the world for change's sake, but change it with the love of God. So how did we do in 2017? I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of this, uh, that one church um, has made 200 teacher blessing bags. We know that teachers uh, use a lot of their own money to actually supply their, their, uh, their classrooms. And so we said, well, let us take care of some of that. And so we uh, packed blessing bags for uh, Frontier and, 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 and took them to the teachers and tried to bless them with it. 200 blessing bags, 200 homeless bags. 
bags to keep in our car so that we can give to people on the side of the road in need. An amazing opportunity. We packed 400 Operation Angel Wings gifts. Um, for those of you who know April and the, and the yard holders, uh, April has an amazing ministry called Operation Angel Wings, and we wanted to partner with her. And so last, uh, just last month, last December, we packed 400 Operation Angel Wing gifts and then actually delivered them. Uh, our One Church team went to the VA hospital uh, down in downtown Oklahoma City, and it was an amazing opportunity to go and to bless people as well. Um, so we packed the Operation Angel Wing gifts, and we engaged over 400 people in hands-on mission, an incredible thing that we've done to actually change the world. Even our uh, small community of one church of 93 people that worship, um, we've engaged as many people in hands-on mission. Uh, not only that, but we partnered with Acts 2 to collect um, more than 4,000 pounds of canned food that we donated to Skyline. Um, that was during last February. It was, it was a year ago. Uh, we worked at Habitat for Humanity in July, which is not the time you want to work for Habitat for Humanity. Um, we, uh, we lost a lot of weight then, but it was a great opportunity. And uh, we packed our homeless blessing bags uh, there in the school, uh, a great thing. So we look at 2018, we say, what is our goal? What is the thing that we're going to do? And so uh, what I told the community is that we're going to get together uh, later this month, uh, midweek, and we're going to dream about this and pray about this. What is the goal for 2018? Uh, and I ask this for our community, but I also ask this for us as individuals. What is your goal for 2018? This is a new year and a new opportunity to do something different with our lives. And what is that goal? I said, whatever one church's goal is, I, we can be sure that it's going to be this. It, it's going to be a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, for those of you who don't know, this was a, a, a term coined by uh, Jerry Collins and Jerry Porras and their book, Built to Last. And, and they said organizations should have BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. And I, I love this term, and I like this. And just give you a few examples of what this looks like. Um, this is Mark Lundstedt. He's the CEO of Volvo, uh, the Swedish car company. Volvo has a BHAG. Their BHAG is that by 2020, no one should be killed or seriously injured in a new Volvo. By 2020, no one should be killed or seriously injured in a new Volvo. Can you imagine the steps that they're making today to make that thing happen in 2020? That today they are, they are currently looking at airbags. What is the science of airbags? Let's go back to the basics and how do these things protect people in their cars? They're looking at autonomous driving cars, cars that can drive themselves because they believe that cars that can drive themselves are safer than, than us driving our own cars. That Volvo has this big, hairy, audacious goal that in 2020 no one should be killed or seriously injured in a new Volvo and they are taking steps today to make that happen. What is your BHAG? What is your big, hairy, audacious goal? What are the things that you're doing to make that happen? This is Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk, among many things, is the CEO of an organization called SpaceX. Uh, SpaceX. And, and for those of you who don't know, SpaceX has one mission, one big, hairy, audacious goal, and it's to enable human exploration and settlement of Mars. To enable human exploration and settlement of Mars because Elon says uh, that he wants people to be excited about the future. He wants people to be excited about the future, and the easiest way to do that is in space exploration. He, he says, I think the human race is just more interesting when it is an interplanetary species. This is the entire goal of SpaceX, is to enable human exploration and settlement of Mars, and they are taking steps today to make that happen. In fact, in, in December 22nd, um, just, just uh, last month, 
Uh, if you were living in Los Angeles and you were watching the sunset, you also saw this. You also saw a SpaceX rocket carrying 10 satellites. And, 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 and the internet just kind of blew up in Los Angeles. The people were taking pictures of this everywhere. They, they didn't know what was going on. Uh, many of them thought that it was a UFO or something else they could see. And, and, and later, they, you know, they let everybody know, no, this is SpaceX. This is an organization that is working to enable human settlement and exploration of Mars. That SpaceX is taking steps today to make their big, hairy, audacious goal happen. And whenever they take steps to make it happen, it causes everyone else to look up. It causes everyone else to notice what they're doing. I wonder, what is our big, hairy, audacious goal? And is it causing people to look up? Is it causing people to notice that we're a little different than the rest of the world. I said that, that one church is going to meet midweek, and we're, we're going to talk about, we're going to dream about what this big, hairy, audacious goal is. And, and, and I said, whatever it is, it's going to include growth. It's going to be about these baptisms, these new members. What are we called to do in 2018? It's got to be more than we did last year. We've got to continue to grow. We got to continue to grow. And I said, whatever it is, whatever that, that big, hairy, audacious goal is, it's going to include this that we're going to develop three new friendships with someone who is non-religious. Uh, that's my hope for, for all of us as well, that we would just develop three new friendships with someone who's non-religious. Now, now, again, focus on the why and not the what. The, the why, three new friendships that someone is not religious, not so that they will become religious, not so, so that they will simply become Christian, not so that they will be baptized, not so that they will, become, they will, they will come to my church. We will form three new friendships, because we believe that Christians are called to be friends. Christians are called to be friends in this world. In fact, we read in the Gospel of John, Jesus prays for his disciples. He has this big, long prayer, and if you ever get a chance, you should read this, this, this prayer in John 17. He has this really long prayer where he prays for the disciples. It's a beautiful prayer, and in it, he says these words. He says, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. That they may all be one. He prays for his disciples, and he prays for everyone else who will believe through the disciples, and he prays that they would all be one. The question is, what does it mean to be one? What does it mean? I think it, it can mean many different things. It can mean many different things, but, but I believe that this is definitely true for what it means to be one, is that it to be people who are united through their differences by the life-changing love of God for the life-changing love of God. People who are united through their differences. My hope, my prayers at the church would be a group of people who are drastically different from one another. Different political spectrums, different beliefs about everything else that they would come together because Christ has called them to be, to be together. That if we were just a group of people who are homogeneous, we were just a group of people who all believed and acted the same way, then the world would look at us and say they're no different than anything else. They're, they're no different from any other club that, that just comes together. They're, they're no different. But if we were a people who were united through our differences, that, that if we were united by Christ through all the differences that we have, by the life-changing love of God, for the life-changing love of God, then others would look at us and know that there is something different about us. And it wouldn't be so that we would be excluded from others. It wouldn't be so that others would look at us, know that we're different, and then leave us alone. 
No, in fact, it would be so that we could unite with the world, that we could be one, that we could be friends with others, that they could, we could actually help change lives through the love of God. And we would create three new friendships. Because we know that within five miles, five mile radius of this place, that there are 28,000 people who do not have a church home. 28,000 people who do not have a church home, that means that 28,000 people, if their spouse dies, if their child dies, if they lose their job, if something happens in their life, where will they turn? Who will be there for them? My hope is that, that we will be there. Because we will be a friend. Um, in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, um, in, in chapter 2, after uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship and the breaking of the bread, something happened to the apostles. They, they started to live differently. Uh, and, it, and it says this in, in Acts 2.43. Uh, it says, Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And now here's the exceptional thing about the apostles, that they sat together in their homes, that they sold, sold all of their possessions, anything that they had, they sold it, put it in a common pot to give to anybody who had need, that they ate bread in their homes, they came together. And these were not homogeneous people. These were not people who all believed and acted the same way. These were Jews and Gentiles alike. These were tax collectors and sinners who all came together, who all came together and did this thing. Here's what I believe about the church. The most astounding thing about the early church was their radical inclusion. Was their radical inclusion. That at the time, they believed that, that religion meant we were separate from everyone else. That religion meant that we are different and better than all of these others, and we have to separate ourselves to make sure that we stay holy. And Jesus came into the world and he said, no, that's not it. And in fact, this thing that we have, this love that we have from God is meant for the entire world. That if we really believed in the love of God, we would include everyone in it. And, and the apostles and the disciples got together and they said, that's exactly right. And they started to be a group of radical inclusion. And then I think somewhere along the way, the church forgot that. And the church stopped being a group of people of radical inclusion. Instead, it became a group of radical exclusion. And said, so those are those other people. We don't, we don't talk to them. We don't want them here. We don't. You know, if they, if they want to come in and they, they've got to change before they come in the doors. My hope, my prayer for the church is that we would be a group of radical inclusion. So this is my, my hope, my prayer for, for all of us tomorrow, for the rest of our lives, that we consider these are our action steps. I would ask that you would pray about those three friends. Maybe you already know them. Maybe, you know, it's an acquaintance work or somebody you know a little bit about. And, you know, you just invite them over for dinner or for lunch or whatever it is. I hope that you would just seriously pray about these three new friends. And that you would remember your why. You would focus on your marriage. Why was it you got married in the first place? On your career, is this the thing that you're passionate about? Is this your why? Does it stem from who you are? And as a follower of Christ, 
is our purpose in life to give glory to God.